As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We are live with the new Wizards After Dark. Recording this one on uh, Monday at... 3.13 p.m. Eastern time, but we got three different people in three different time zones. Um, if you're listening live, you probably know the time because I imagine on whatever device you're viewing this, there's a little thing in the upper right or upper left corner that tells you the time. If you're not listening live, congrats. You could be. where, where Look out for my social media where or my Twitter specifically where, where I'm tweeting out that we're doing these live podcasts, and I'm doing them with my producer, Andrew Schlecht. Hello, world. Here to talk about the NBA draft. And once again with uh, Michele Berra for a new draft episode. Hey. I mean, we are going to argue, I think. Again, <laughs> this is how it is. <laughs> so so the last one we, we did, uh, if you happen to be listening to this and you didn't hear the first one that we did, um, the three of us recorded a podcast talking about Devin Vassell versus Isaac Okoro. Uh, and we went for about an hour and 15 minutes on, on we had some disagreement. We had some discord. We we had we had uh, I, I'll, I'll call it verbal kerfuffling. I like how kerfuffle has really become a, a true NBA word. Thanks to Andy Larson saying it to Kevin Durant. It's like a true, it's a true, <laughs> the greatest press conference moment ever when Andy Larson asked Kevin Durant about a kerfuffle in the game, and Kevin Durant marveled about a journalist using kerfuffle. Rightfully so, marveled about a journalist using kerfuffle in a serious question. Um, Rightfully so is, is is the correct <laughs> phrase for that. Hey, and by the way, I have deleted all my Devin Vassell takes officially. Uh, those are those have all been canceled due to the fact that he shoots the ball like I did when I was nine. <laughs> so that actually, I was going to bring bring that up because I I, I wanted to revisit our last podcast. Today we're going to be talking about um, Obi Toppin and Nyeka Kongu. And before we get into that. I want to re-broach. Andrew, you were high on Vassell, our yeah. last podcast. And then there was, you know that somebody's form has drastically changed when there is a 10-second video of them that hits Twitter. And it goes viral <laughs> to such a degree that for some reason, the journalist that tweeted it out has to then delete the video. And all it is, is the dude shooting two jumpers. That is it. There's no dude. sound. Nothing happened. He did nothing inappropriate. It's just a guy taking two jumpers. And that, from a projected lottery pick and, and shooter, went viral because his form legit looked like Marcus Camby's. It was so bad, man. Because If he shoots like that... Where his shot was already kind of slow, that was already going to be an issue with him. But if that's it, if that's what you're getting, don't take him in the lottery. Don't do it. That's terrifying. That was horrifying. That 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 scarred me. Yeah, I'm I'm an Okoro guy officially now because <laughs> at, at least Okoro is going to be able to dribble and get to the basket a little bit more, and is a maniac. Vassell, shoot, man. I mean, he's. I still believe in him as a high-level defender, 
But if he shoots at the ball over his head, I mean, it, it legit looked like he was shooting with a medicine ball. And we just cannot have that. What if he was shooting with a medicine ball? It's a very bouncy medicine ball. What if he was just messing with us because he didn't want to be, I don't know, too high so that the Knicks could draft him or I don't know. Another, another. He's messing with his own draft stock though, right? (laughs) Yeah, he's messing with his money. (laughs) There's no way. What if he saw, what if he saw all the praise that like Duncan Robinson got for being a low draft pick and working his way up and was like, you know what? Praise is my ultimate currency. What I what I want is to tank my own draft stock, go like forty seven, and then have everyone yeah. be like, "Look at how this guy recovered from forty seven to the point <laughs> that my second contract will pay so much because people will have said such exclusively positive things about me for the last four years." That that might be the greatest long play ever. That's what I'm going. Yeah, for. I've got to. I'm scrolling through here, just making sure that his agent isn't the same as Lou Dortz, though. Hold on, because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that can make you wonder for your first slash second contract in the league. It, it was yeah. it was amazing. John, John Hollinger tweeted out that uh, you know to paraphrase for the first time in his life he's reorganizing his draft board based on a ten second Twitter video clip. Well, yeah. but if the only thing that puts you really in the lottery is your forty percent shooting ability, if you see that shot after what happened to Markel Foltz, that that should change at least a bit your opinion. You should at least ask him to take 50 jumpers in front of you, even if it's a Zoom call. I don't care. I just want yeah. you to shoot in front of me again. Because if that is your motion, it's not just the ball above his head, which is awful, of course, but it's the fact that he's slow. It was already like a bit slower than your prototypical three-point shooter in the league. But if you if you have that kind of motion, it, it's ugly and it's slow. I mean, your value is not one as a of a top ten, top fifteen pick. What if what um, if like you know how LeBron is making the Space Jam remake? What if what if he's like dying to play Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in the Along Came Polly remake? That's that's all it is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Gain a little, European, he's got to gain some weight. Anyway. He's going to have to. Yeah. yeah. His next workout, he's going to be 25 pounds heavier. In, in all seriousness, yeah, I, I don't think they have a long game poly in Italy. I don't think that movie was good enough to, to make it overseas. It's, nope. like a, it's like a slightly below average Ben Stiller movie. Where he, uh, he, You've he seen Jeff's rain. Da- he, yeah. He did yell rain dance in that video a lot, which really you know, solidifies that. In, in all seriousness, like, I wonder, let's, let's say that that is actually real. Okay. Yeah. Which, which we're not sure that it is like we're, we're, we're being glib, but we're not sure that that video is actually how he shoots a basketball all the time. Right. Let's say for the sake of it, that it is. How does that happen? Like, how does someone who's such a good shooter change his form to that degree? I have a theory. Um, I always felt that Vassell had issues with range. I mean, you can see that the far he goes from the the like his mid range area, he had to put like a lot of force in order to get to the basket. And I wonder if he just, I don't know, is trying to to reach because I mean he really moves his leg a lot during the shot. It, it seems that he's trying to to troll the ball because he doesn't have enough strength mm-hmm. to put it there. It's the only explanation because the the putting the ball um, behind your head basically and like really pushing with your legs. It seems to me that it's just like a strength problem. Maybe I don't know if you if you train a little bit, maybe it goes away. But I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Whatever it is. There, to me, there's no answer that's good enough <laughs> for for why you change your form to that, because his skill—I mean, he is a three and D player. That's his skill set. Yeah. And if you take away one of those things, because if you can't get your shot off quickly, and you're a forty percent shooter, you can remove him pretty quick, right? 
You can remove him from the equation easily. Yeah. So then, then he's not as useful. Maybe, maybe his only useful skill then is defense and then attracting a, a defender. But man, if you can recover to him quickly, yeah, then it doesn't matter. Now I know that that was one of the issues to me with with his draft stock anyway, uh, because I mean the shot was not quick enough. I mean Duncan Robinson, he can pull up in. I don't know, a split of a second. He needs yeah. no space to do that. Vassell was not that kind of player. And I oh. I still wonder if, again, part of changing his shot is to try to make up for that. But it's not going the right direction. All right, you guys want to jump on to uh, our topic for today? Yeah. yeah, judging by what how it went last time, I would assume that uh, Anyeko Kongwu will lose his left arm <laughs> by uh, Wednesday. And he let's let's start on Okongwu because he is like the the darling of Wizards Twitter. Like Wizards hmm, draft Twitter wants Okongwu for sure um, yeah. because all they've seen is the Wizards get pulverized on defense. Mm-hmm. And what they want is their BAM type player, which, by the way, <laughs> doesn't exist in the draft, does not exist. They want their yeah. BAM type player. And uh, Akongu is the guy who's at least been billed as that. So, uh, Michele, I, I, I just want to talk about defense because he's not that on offense. And, and Sam Vecini, as you can see with this graphic we have pulled up, actually has Akongu um, going to the Wizards at nine. But, but Michele, let's talk defensively. Because I, I think if I had to choose between which one is more a BAM type player and where that comes from, it's really him defensively, where he's, he's not quite the height of a center, but I, I do think he's got some versatility and he's athletic and he's got some foot speed. Where, where do you see him panning out defensively, like right off the bat? And, and then we can get into potential and that kind of stuff. But the Wizards need help right now defensively. As a rookie, and rookies are usually not good defensively. Mm-hmm. As a rookie, what do you see him being? Well, it depends a lot on how you want to use a center. Um, because if you want him to be your, uh, like, making him defending in space right off the bat, you probably are going to, to have some issues. Uh, I think he will be a good enough rim protector from the beginning because he has slang, he has timing, he has good fit speed, he can he can recover quite easily. Um, and if you want to put him in, in switch situations, maybe, maybe not against like top level guards, I think you can probably play him and get something good immediately. Uh, because again, he he takes pride in his defense and I, I really think that he could be a special player there because of his versatility, because of the fact that he is really vertical. And so all these things, to me, speaks uh, as a guy that can make an impact. Maybe not a big impact, but um, we are talking the Wizards here. So, like, the defense needs anything good. And, and he can be that. Um, as a, Like, in the future, I can see him being even more of a defender in space because he has all the tools to be that. And so I really think that if you just focus for one second on just on that side of the ball, I think he's one of the best prospects in the top 10 uh, of this draft. I mean, for sure, all the guards are not at that level defensively. I mean, Lamelo Ball, Edwards, uh, Kylian Hayes, Therese Aliburton, those are not really good defenders. He can be a special defender. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's, that's why I like him so much is that the, the modern big man defender is, is one that is versatile because you got these bigger guys, like even a Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best defenders in the NBA. If you get him to the playoffs, and you can really target him and target his, his foot speed, and he's not as effective. Uh, Akong was one of those guys that I think can be effective in any situation as a defender. That's why that's why I really like him. And I also just he just plays with such force yeah. on both ends of the court. And I just really like that. I, I like that in a player. He's really confident. He knows what he what he wants to do, especially as a defender. Uh, and so I mean to me it's it's step one in improving the Wizards defense is getting a guy like a Kongwu. And if you're looking for comps, obviously Bam is a 
is just the most unfair person to try to compare a player to today. Uh, it, it was similar to Pascal Siakam after last year's playoffs. Everybody's looking for these type of players. Well, you can't just find a guy and just say, hey, they're going to be that. They're going to disappoint because you're talking about one of the up-and-coming players in the NBA. But, I mean, could he be like faster Todd Gibson, you know, as a player? Like a little bit more versatile as a defender Todd Gibson that could maybe defend up to the three, maybe depending on what, like in spots, defend a guard. Uh, is that unfair? It's a, he's a better. He could be a better rim protection than rim protection. Yeah. Than, than well, I was I was gonna say he he might be the center version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With better foot speed, like like he might be the evolved version of Taj Gibson. Because I like that. Because mm-hmm. if if Taj Gibson came up today, he wouldn't have been a power forward. No. Like Taj Gibson, no. if he either he either would have learned how to do some stuff off the dribble learned how to shoot threes, mm-hmm. or he just would have been kind of a slightly undersized center. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that is is something there. Yeah, I mean, I hate when people say, could so-and-so evolve into Bam? Could so-and-so evolve into Siakam? Otherwise, if you can just evolve somebody into Bam, then Bam's not special. Then why yeah. do we talk about Bam as being so special? The reason we talk about yep. Bam and those guys as being so special and such great players and not just excellent players, but also excellent development prospects and and improvement stories and all that stuff is because those things don't happen often. That's why people are like, why don't you just replicate team building the same way as Miami? And the easy criticism to point out there is that, well, you can sign Jimmy Butler. But the other criticism to point out there is like, everyone wants to. Do you think the Kings wanted Nick Stauskas to stink? Like the Kings drafted Nick Stauskas thinking he was gonna be a good player. Yeah. Like, yeah. Next they, Steph Curry or no? Yeah. That that was that was. Um, oof. That was Trey Young. No, no, no. Uh, Buddy Hield. Oh yeah, Buddy Hield was the next. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Buddy Hield. Yeah. But like, you think these these teams that fail in their development pro- pro- uh, projects? Who? I mean, there are some teams, you know, the Ernie Grunfeld Wizards were just trading away, giving away their second round Mm because they just didn't care. And that's just like a whole other level of not caring about the development project or process. Mm -hmm. process. But the vast majority of teams would like to hit on the number 11 pick. Of course, this stuff is not replicable. The thing that I think is interesting with the Congo is because I, I see people who know more about the draft process than me and know more about him than me say, well, he's a four or five. He's a four sometimes. He's, he's, he's maybe a five the majority of the time, but he can play the four. Mm-hmm. Unless he's next to a really specific type of five, I don't really see how he can play the four. Like I, I get it defensively, but the league is moving in a direction where, I mean, people talk about stretch fours. That's an outdated term now. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not a modern four if you're a stretch four now. You're a modern four if you're a playmaking four. And that's mm-hmm. the direction the league is going in. We don't just have yep. stretch fives now. We have playmaking fives. Yeah. The majority mm-hmm. of players who step on the floor as a center, whether they are conventional centers or just playing center in the moment, the majority of players who step on the floor as a center nowadays are at least willing to take a three if they're open. The stretch yeah. five is not necessarily the modern five now, the playmaking five. The playmaking four is the modern four and the modern five. And that's going to continue to um, trend in that direction. We're going to continue to see more playmaking fours. We're going to continue at points. Players who maybe play the three now are going to more commonly play the four. Like we're going to see a player like, the Spurs started playing DeMar DeRozan at the four, and he's yeah. a conventional mm-hmm. two. Like, we're going to start seeing that kind of stuff occur. Now, as the game continues to evolve, I think I could see why maybe a Kongu could play the four more now in 2021 or in 2020 than he could five years down the road. But five years down the road, as the game continues to develop, and we talk about playmaking fours and fives the same way I'm talking about stretch fours and fives right now, 
I don't know if Okongwu fits that role as a four well enough to be able to out, be out there with another five, unless you have a very specific fitting five next to him. Like, Michele, you, you, you have a really great understanding for the, the evolution of the game. Wait, what, what am I missing that, that allows people to say, like, yeah, he could, he could be a four? Oh, I don't think so. I am on the same boat as you are, um, because as high as I am in the defensive side for Okongu, um, I'm not that high offensively. And it gives me a pause because you you can think of him as a three-point shooter one day, uh, probably just stand still. Um, but I, I have a hard time seeing him as a playmaking five. Even a playmaking, like playmaking four or five, wherever you want to put him on the court. He's not a natural nor a gifted passer yet. Um, some player can evolve into one. So I'm not saying, because I can't, uh, and no one can, that Okongo will never be a good enough passer to, to play the five for a very, very good team. But as of today, there is no real indication that he could develop that skill in, like... A small amount of time. I was joking to, with Andrew, uh, I think it was yesterday or I don't know, uh, about Tibaka and the fact that at some point during his development in year six or seven, he was able to do one dribble and a pass in the corner. I mean, Okongu maybe is a little bit above that level, but I mean, we always wonder, is Ibaka going to develop a passing game good enough to make him um, a playmaking four slash five? The answer is no to today. And Ibaka is a hard worker. He improved in so many other areas of the game, like catching the ball, shooting. He came in in the US like not being able to hit jumpers. And he he's a, like a 40% three-point shooter. So I don't know if Okongo will ever be able to do uh, enough to be a good playmaking five in the NBA. I mean, Ibaka would be a crazy good passer in other leagues, not in the not in the NBA. The NBA is fast. You need to be extremely precise. And I don't know. I don't know if he has that vision. Yeah, I mean, it's clear he doesn't today. Mm-hmm. And whether he can develop that or not, uh, it depends on the coaching staff. It depends on the system he's put in. It yep. depends on who he's playing with, right? Yeah. And the Wizards... We talked about this last week or a couple of weeks ago that their offense has has been really good. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's like the space and the time for him to learn to do that with a team like the Wizards on the offensive end. Yeah, if they're willing to let him grow and make a ton of mistakes and become that kind of guy, maybe they can. Or maybe maybe he's a four if, da- if you call Davis Bertans the five, right? Like, that's probably how he's a four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you basically have them reverse, right? Like, Okongwu is the five on defense, and, and Bertans uh-huh. is the five on... Right? Wait, did no. I reverse that? No. Yeah. 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 It was a joke. Yes, he did. Yeah. It was a joke. It was a basketball joke. No, but it's right. I mean, Bertans <laughs> no, but cannot be a four defensively. Like, I mean, yeah. in the future, yeah. Bertans will have a hard time defending the four. Well, defending probably every pick and roll. And you can have Okongwu be yeah. the guy that do that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they can be like good together on the floor for sure, because yeah. like Bertans gives you a ton of space and, and you need vertical spacer and Okongu is a great vertical spacer. And if you think oh, yeah. of him as a, like, if you try to put a guy, I don't know, like James Harden on him in the post, he will probably punish you because he's strong enough and good enough. He's a soft touch. And so I don't think that in 2021 you want to post up Okongu 10 times a game. But if they switch on him, and it will happen because if he is a good screener, so he can screen for others, he can do maybe a little mm-hmm. some handoff game, not sure how much, and then he just dives to the rim and you try to switch the, the pick and roll, then he can create troubles uh, for the opponent team because he's very very gifted in terms of uh awareness where to be how where he is in, uh, around the basketball and so that part of his game i, I really liked is the is the other yeah. part that to me is missing yeah you know what yeah. you know what's interesting we, t- we talk about like not necessarily knowing for sure to what levels the ability to do anything with the ball goes mm-hmm. and this year is going to be really interesting with that because you know we'll see it 
with players who aren't allowed to do certain things in college, who aren't able to show what they want to do in college. And then they come to the league and they do different things. You know, the, the Wizards example of this is Rui Hachimura, mm-hmm. who stylistically plays totally different, played completely different as a rookie than he did at Gonzaga. Yeah. Where he was really a five. And, and it was he was just a totally different stylistic player. Like he there's a reason that even though I don't agree with it, people say he's a three. He played more like a wing than he did while at Gonzaga. And we've seen extreme examples of that. You know, Bam is fresh on my mind. So I'll say Bam wasn't playmaking at Kentucky no. like he is now. Devin Booker didn't get to do a lot of the stuff he wanted to oh, do in no, no. Kentucky. You know, the list goes goes on and on. And there are a number of, number of ways NBA players find out about guys' abilities to do stuff that we don't get to see them play in the 30 to 40 college games that they end up playing. Um, they, could, they have relationships with coaches who say, we've seen him do this. They'll, you know, scouts will get to watch practices. And they might get to see them do stuff in practice. They also might see, you know, I think for the most part, the physical workout parts of the individual workouts, when guys go town to town working out for teams, for the most part, those physical, the physical parts of that workout are, are often useless. You, you see a guy shoot. Okay. So, so a good shooter comes in and shoots well during his workout. If he shoots really well, or you like just because he shot the ball really well one time, you're like, oh, this guy's even better than we thought he was. No, you just think he shot the ball well. You want to get the guy, the reason it's worthwhile is you want to get the guy in your building, in your facility, you want to talk to him, see what makes him tick, see how he treats people, get to know the person better. And for the most part, that's what those individual workouts are. But if they didn't get the opportunity to physically see it, one thing that can be good about the actual workouts is they can say, you know, one of your assistant coaches told me that you're actually pretty good at this thing, which you didn't do in games mm-hmm. and we didn't get to see mm-hmm. you do. Let's work on that a little bit. Show me how you do that. And you actually get an opportunity to do it. And sometimes these workouts aren't one on zero. Sometimes they're three on three and you can get a couple extra assistant coaches in there and get five on five action going. And you can see what's going on with these guys. And you don't get the greatest example. It's, you know, it's not the same thing as if you see them going up against the University of Arizona. But it's better than not being able to see it at all. And that's not something they have right now. Teams cannot do that. And, and so I've been saying all along, I think this year's draft, and, and depending on what happens with college basketball season and next year's draft, maybe next year's draft as well, we could end up seeing more surprises like that. We might end up seeing someone who goes number 22 show up with a skill set that we had no idea that if we knew about would have boosted him into the water. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's impossible to guess really who those guys are because the whole point of the premise is we don't know. But I think that's a really fascinating part of this draft where I think teams are over-relying on the film that they have because it's all they have. Yeah. And, but it's also making guys like a lot more difficult to pinpoint in some other ways. And, and when we talk about a Congo's offense where it's like, he was able to do only certain things and stay within his lane. He could set screens, he could roll, and that was about it. And he was very good rim diver, by the way. Yeah. And he's a very good lob threat. And for what it's worth, whenever you talk about rim divers and lob threats in relation to the Wizards, John Wall has been begging for one of those for yeah. a really long time. Like, mm-hmm. openly, every time you ask John Wall, hey, what's this team need? He says, a rim diver. Doesn't care what Martin Gortat thinks of it. He's just going to say it. We haven't had a rim diver ever. I don't care what Gortat thinks of that. And he still says it. He wants a rim diver. And and Okongwu is that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know for sure if there's nothing else he can do. I'm just saying this based on what I've seen. And for the most part, that's pretty much what the teams have seen too. Yeah. yeah. Can I add something really quick about what you said? Um as you probably may know, I am a good friend with uh, Ricardo Foyce, who is uh, now an assistant coach with the Phoenix Suns. And I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, but we were scout. Well, I, I was helping him with Gonzaga stuff. And and one day we were discussing domas and I said, Rick, why he doesn't shoot trees? And he told me, well, first of all, we we like him like do all the other stuff because he's a great offensive rebounder and he's shooting 73% at the rim. 
So in order for him to be like as efficient, he should be like a 40 plus percent three point shooter. And he's not that. And so we don't care about his development all that much. I mean, he will try that in practice. We will have shooting session. He would do other stuff, but on court, I need him to be a 72% um, post-up player. And so, I mean, Thomas was awesome uh, in college, uh, but I mean, I don't know how many people knew that he could be a very, very good three-point shooter. And in workouts, he showed that. So sometimes, as you said, you just show what you're very, very good at because you have 30 games and in 30 games, you don't have time to do a lot of stuff and coaches want to maximize your success because if you win with, with your team, especially if you're on some programs, that will help you anyway. Even if you don't show everything, you will have time to, to prep and to do stuff. Um, sorry, my Siri went on for some reason. Um, and so, yeah, I don't remember what I was saying, but um, you could improve your draft talk even if you don't show everything in college. But now it, it can be problematic because you don't have workouts. You don't have too much time to showcase that to teams in pri private work workouts. So. Yeah, and I'll riff. I mean, so much of this also has to do with the individual team too, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is, I, I, I say to scouts often when I talk to them that the hardest, I, I think the craziest trait that scouts have is being able to see something that somebody's not good at. Like I can, I can look at Aaron Neesmith and be like, that guy's a good shooter. Mm -hmm. No kidding. <laughs> You know, that's not the hard part of a scout's job. Yeah. Like the mm -hmm. hard part of a scout's job is being able to look at something that somebody is objectively just not good at at mm -hmm. all and being able to say, oh, but he can get good. And yep. that mm -hmm. is the or or maybe something the opposite, something that he is good at and say, no, he, he won't be good. And and that can vary. So it's not just like this guy came and do a workout and shot the crap out of the ball during the workout, there's more to it. So like going back to the DeMontis Sabonis example you gave, he shot really well in the Thunder's workout. They thought, all right, this guy is going to shoot threes. They traded for him on draft night. They loved him. I think they always viewed him as a five. Yeah. But because they had Steven Adams, they were like, you know what, we'll make this work. They started him at the four from the start, and he was a stretch four. He hung out on yeah. the three-point line, but they had Steven Adams, and they had Russell Westbrook who both are three-point shooters. They needed Sabonis to do it, and they thought it would work. It didn't work great. Um, but they, he was able to do it at an NBA level, and he was really hot from three at the beginning of his rookie yeah. year. Then they trade him to Indiana, and even though he plays with Miles Turner, who's another five, who, Turner hangs around the three-point line, but is, is a five, um, Sabonis is an inside-the-three-point line player. He mm -hmm. plays a different style. So, so much of this has to do with, um, like, it's not just individual abilities. It's it's fit within the organization. I'm fascinated by Okongwu. I think he'll be good defensively regardless of where he's at. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. he, he just kind of, he moves his feet well. I think he's going to defend the rim well. I'm not worried about him being 6'9". I think that becomes less and less of a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean... I, I think he's going to be able to defend multiple positions, and I think yeah. you'll probably be able to switch him onto anyone. You know, if you're in a pinch, yeah. I think you can. If you're in a pinch, you can switch. I don't think it's ideal at all, but I think yeah. if you're in a pinch, you yeah. can switch him onto a guard and feel more comfortable about that than if the average center in the league is on a guard. Yeah, um, I agree. And and he's pretty long, and so I'm not really. I think he's going to be a good defender. He seems heady. His reputation is that he's really, I mean, I've never met the guy, but his reputation is that he's really smart. So yeah. he'll probably be good on that end. I wonder if these, like, he's going to have to be a really good screen setter and he's going to have to use his powers in that sense for more than just, I'm going to pick and roll. Like, he's going to have to beast guys on pin downs to open up Bradley Beal or whomever he's playing with. He's going to have to be an active cutter. Like he's going to have to be able to use that kind of stuff for better ways of all he's going to be able to be as a rim. Runner. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the quickness and tenacity to do it, yeah, too. I agree. I mean, you can see that, that he has that in him. This is, what, this is why I like him so much, is that you can see him, as long as, I mean, if he's on a playoff team, you're gonna, he's going to have a, an elite creator on the perimeter, likely, because almost all playoff teams have that. Mm-hmm. And so if his job is to set screens, be a really great defender, defend the rim, uh, and hang out in the dunker spot at times as well, like, you can keep that guy on the court. Yeah. That guy can stay on the court. Yeah. It's these bigs that get on the court that can't defend or that are going to get abused at the rim that get pulled. I mean, you saw Montrez Harrell, and there are a lot of factors there, but Montrez Harrell was a guy that wasn't playable in the playoffs. Things just change. You can get a guy that's good in the regular season, that pops, that puts up big numbers, but when it comes down to it, the playoffs are just different. And it just really depends on what your goal is. Like, as a team, what is your goal? How far away are you from being a playoff team, from being a contributor um, to having contributors uh, as a playoff team? How far away are you? And the Wizards seem far. But to me, he's a guy that you can say, there's a guy that's a playoff rotation player. Okay. How many of those guys do, like, do the Wizards have? You know, If you add him to the mix and say, yep, there's another one. So are, right. are you saying that Topping is not a rotational player in the playoffs? Wait, that, before, we get, you know, sorry. before we get to Topping, before we get to Topping, which we will on a sec, I want to ask Andrew a question. Who's who's going to be a better defensive player, Okongu or Patrick Williams? Oh, boy. I'm a big Patrick Williams guy. I know. And- Patrick Williams is obviously more versatile, but I don't know if Patrick Williams is going to can play the five all that much. Well, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Is Patrick Williams taller than a Congo? He probably is just as tall, but I, I, I'm not sold on his fundamentals as much as I am with, with a Congo. I mean, Why a Congo, yeah. I don't know. He doesn't seem to have the same quickness in terms of his understanding of the game and, and he didn't play a definitive, like, like it, he played in a system at FSU that helped you defensively because they all do very, very um, specific stuff. They are trained to play defense. They play it in very little chunks so that you can bring maximum energy. And I wonder if, and he wasn't, wasn't even a starter for, I don't think he started every game for them. Uh, I wonder how that will change when he has to play 32, 35 minutes a night and he has to play in space because when you are not a big, then you probably have to do a lot of off-ball tasks. So I wonder if that will allow him to be good immediately. He has the tools for sure. He is quick enough with his feet and he has a great uh, size and length, but I don't think he will be able to be a playmaker defensively from the start. And so I think that the Congo would be better uh, and probably he has the chance to be better, period. Yeah. When you were talking about uh, the guy that we don't know what they could bring and maybe somebody could come and, and have this skill set that we, wow, like I didn't know that guy could play like yeah, that. Yeah, that is I Patrick, Patrick Williams. I think about Patrick yeah. Williams because he was highly regarded. Yeah going into Florida State as a freshman. He was thought to be a top 10 guy in the draft, and he has slowly kind of risen there um, through, I don't know what, I don't know how. I don't know how anybody's rising through anything. Everybody's just looking at tape, I guess. I don't know. But he's he's one of those guys that is more than likely going to be a 3-4. Mm-hmm. And 
he's he does have there is some like level of like untapped potential there yeah because he's very very young yeah and he is physically already seems like he's there yeah. and ready to play at, in the nba and there's just something about that these like 18 year old guys that are six eight seven foot wingspan 225 pounds there's like oh okay well let's see what this guy let's see what this guy's got and patrick williams should be I mean, I think the Wizards should consider him as high as nine. Mm-hmm. I like Akongwu better today, but Patrick Williams could be one of those guys that you're like, how did he slide so far in the draft? Look what he can do. Uh, so to me, they're not really similar players. No. Uh, because I don't think that you're going to want to put Patrick Williams at the five because he, he's just he just projects more as a wing. But yeah, it's situational probably. In a, in a league that in a league that's mm. looking for wings. Yeah, I mean Daryl Morey. That's, that's why I would consider him as Daryl Morey is potentially drafting him and teaching him how to, you know, hit corner threes consistently and play the five. I, I, like, I'm not yeah. concerned about the shooting. True. There's like, there's got there's got some like I don't know if there's tall PJ Tucker in there or if there's Stanley Johnson in there. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Stanley Johnson in him, to be honest. Yeah. I can see a guy that is not productive. He can be a guy that you drafted in. You draft him and you say, wow, he will turn into um, 10 point a game player because that is what he does. He can hit yeah. a very smooth uh, off the dribble jumper that makes you wonder like, wow, he will be able to take trees off the dribble. And but he's like you have so few data points that in a draft like that, you can say, well, I don't know, but if I have to to take a swing, I take a swing on a guy that if he pans out, he can be an extremely good player. If he doesn't, well, he'd probably be useful anyway off the bench to some degree because he has the size and he seems like a good kid, so we probably can like find a role for him. It will not be a wasted pick. It's not Jaden McDaniels where you try to swing and you get a player yeah. that is out of the league in two years. Um, but but I don't know. I mean, it's it's very hard. I think that the reason why he is raising in draft boards is more because because of the idea of him, of what he can be, mm-hmm. of what like of, mm-hmm. of the flashes that he showed, more so than the player that he will be today in the NBA, yeah. like, well, in, in December, in the NBA, or January, or February, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. He did shoot 83%. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not concerned about the shooting. The shooting, to me, is not yeah. an issue. He has a very, very soft touch on jumpers. So I I, I think mm-hmm. if you ask me, will he be like a 50 plus 36 plus 80? Yeah. My issue is, Will he be a guy that takes 20 shots a game? Will he be a guy? And it's not even necessary to draft him at like 11, 12. It's like you can get a role player there and it's fine. I mean, I don't I don't have in front of me the odds of drafting a superstar at all, well, a role player at 12. But I think that is the likeliest outcome. And so yeah. like a starter, maybe border like a, if you if you tell me easy, likely a guy that can play the same role that Covington did in his career. Yeah, that is probably mm-hmm. in the, I don't know, a good, there's a good percentage that he has a career like that. Starts off the bench, yeah. then becomes a starter, then becomes a starter for a very good team. And then maybe, I don't know, what else? What's the bigger need for the Wizards, Fred? They've said they're just going to take the best player available. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the need, if you're talking about do they need someone who can defend on the wing or need someone who can defend down low, the need is whoever can do whichever one better. Like they they need someone who can defend on the wing and they need somebody who can defend down low and whoever is going to do it better. I mean, it's a little bit, I still think rim defense can make the biggest difference for you, but rim defense Mm -hmm. isn't just blocking and altering shots at the rim. Rim defense right. can be preventing anybody from getting to the rim to begin with. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, perimeter defense is part of rim defense, and they just did such a bad job this year stopping the ball at the point of attack, preventing it from getting to the middle of the floor. There were so many times where guys got to the middle of the floor with an advantage, and I don't care how good your defense is, 
if somebody is already in the middle of the floor with an advantage, like you are going to be bad at defense. You just the best defenders in the league put in that position will be bad at defense compared to the rest of the league. So, so I think whatever whichever guy ends up being better is is kind of where it's at. Thomas Bryant is a very good offensive player. But mm-hmm. if he is going to defend the way that he has the first two years, like he might be able to start. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if he, if starting with this group is the greatest fit because nobody else is defending either. And maybe the Wizards' destiny is just to play a ton of one thirty to one twenty seven games. But if you want to actually build the best possible team, that's it's probably not the best way to do it. So. So I wouldn't say necessarily like they need they need a starting three and they need a five who can block and alter shots. And I think it's pretty similar. And whoever they can get for the best value or whoever they can get who can make the most impact at either of those is really where it's going to be. You guys want to talk about Toppin now? <laughs> Michele loves him. All right. This no, dude- it's, it, let's not push too much on this okay and Obi Toppin got engaged this weekend (laughs) and they are to be married yeah all right yeah he he shot 70 percent on twos this year yeah that is pretty sick yeah that is re so so he had a 68 percent career effective field goal percentage Mm. in his two years at Dave. Yeah. That, for those of you who aren't as into advanced stats, that is out freaking rageous. Yeah. Yeah. The dude just scores from everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Toppin is an ideal candidate to the Wizards. I don't think he will be there at nine. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But. I see in him a guy with a lot of potential to be a very, very good scorer in the league and a very good leader in the league and probably an above average passer for his position and a decent shot blocker. He is a terrible defender in space as of today, which is something that scares Mm -hmm. me. And it scares me also that he wasn't um an 80 percent free throw shooter if you see him shoot the ball uh you think that he has like a very good percentage and it is around 72 percent 70 72 something like that so those are the things that scares me a lot but i think that when you analyze player you have to think about their career and what they did in college and in college he was the leader of a team that was 29 and 2. this is important. I mean, winning is not the only thing, but if your team with you at the top performs like that, you are doing something good, something very good. And this is important in the league. So uh, I know that he has deficiencies in the on the defensive side. I know that you will probably not trust him to anchor your defense, but you can get defenders for cheap. And this guy this guy can change an offense because he can play him at the five and he can shut trees uh, from the corners, from everywhere. And sorry about that. I'm, I have all the yeah. issues tonight. Um, You've got uh, alarms. You've yeah. Got I think I heard a photo go off just now. Yeah, because I was That's trying fine. to stop this, the, the alarm and I, I, I accidentally took a picture of the screen. Sorry. Uh, terrible podcasting. Um, so, topping. I mean, and he jumps off the gym. Like this guy, like yeah. you want a rim diver? This is the rim diver. Like he can really catch anything. Like John Wall is a great passer and this guy is a great catcher. I know that he's 22, but he's an, like a late bloomer. I mean, there are guys yeah. in, in their 20, when they are 21, 22, that got drafted and then evolved anyway. I don't think we have seen the Obi Toppin finished product as of yet. And even if it's finished, like this guy is incredible in terms of his offense. Yeah, I I like him a lot. I actually think that I would pick him to be rookie of the year from this class mm-hmm. because I think he's going to be just crazy productive. I think he could he could average seventeen and nine depending on if he if he's in the right situation. I mean that's not crazy. 
my issue with him, and I, the question that I just that I have about him is: Is he a star? Is this guy? Can he be a number one or number two guy on a team? If he can, you got to take him. You got to do whatever you can to get him. If he's not, if he's like your fourth or fifth starter just because he can really score and teams can play him off the court and you have to take him off the court because he's not your number one or number two guy, Mm -hmm. that's where my concern is with Obi Toppin. On a team that's not going to make the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Like The dude's going to be crazy productive. He's going to look great. He's going to put up highlights. Fans will love him. He's going to shoot threes. Yeah, it's all wonderful. But if you're in... The conference finals in a game seven. Mm-hmm. Is he going to get played off the court because he's not one of your top two guys? And all he can do is score, but they're going to target him every time on defense. Quick question. Stars, it doesn't Stars, it doesn't matter. You know who he sounds stars, like? Stars, it doesn't matter. Andrew, you know who he sounds like? He who? sounds like a Washington wizard. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a total wizard, man. Quickly. For, for many reasons is that he... Sure, I mean, maybe you can play him at the five, but he's really a four, which is what you can say about like almost every wizard. Player, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like, eh, maybe they're a five, but none of them are really a four. Let me ask you a question. Like in 2008, a player was drafted at eight, Danilo Gallinari. We are talking the same range. Mm-hmm. I think the topping could be a player like that. I mean, he was playing the three, so it doesn't count. But if you if you look at Gallinari today, he's not a great defender, mm-hmm. but one on one. Mm-hmm. He's still able enough to to be on the court. Houston did not play Gallinari yeah. off the court, and and he can change a lot for you with a passing. B the fact that he can screen and dive, and he can really space the floor. So on offense, mm-hmm. he can do a lot of stuff that help you winning. It's not just the he he's also a good decision maker. He doesn't take bad shots. He took ten mid range yeah. shots in, in like he's. Mm-hmm. Own the money with with with, with his decision making, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't have the certainty today that Obi Toppin would be a terrible player. I've seen a lot of clips, and yes, he ha- he had a lot of mental lapses defensively. But Dayton was up twenty five. <laughs> like, yeah, would you play incredibly good defense when you are up twenty five, and and you just dunk the hell out of the the other team? Probably not. So. If he was that bad defensively, how in the world that team was good like they were? Because you can mm-hmm. you can have college player that are very good offensively, but their their team is not good because they cannot guard anyone and they do not care. This didn't happen in Dayton. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Probably will be a below average defender. But if he's way above average offensively, which I think if the shot is real, which is a big if because of the free throw percentage, you can have a very special player. So so yeah. I, I want to follow up on this then, because let's relate this to the Wizards, because Michele, the, the Wizards say they are going to draft the best available player, which mm-hmm. I have no problem with, by the way. That's that's fine. The Wizards need talent. Go, go get talent. John Ball hasn't played a basketball game for two years. If you think the best available player is Killian Hayes, Go get Killian Hayes and make mm-hmm. it work. And and this is kind of a similar situation when we talk about Toppin. I agree. I think he's probably – I would be surprised if he were around at nine. That's why we're, we're talking about him mm-hmm. the way that we're talking about him. He's an excellent offensive player. Sam Vecini has him going number five to the Cavaliers right now in his mock draft over at the Athletic. I don't think anybody has him being around at nine right now. But it's it's plausible. Out of the 1,000 universes where mm-hmm. we are doing an NBA draft, there are some of which uh, where he falls to the Wizards at number nine. Andrew, you kind of alluded to this before. The Wizards have Bertons. And let's operate under the assumption the Wizards are resigning Bertons. All right? Mm-hmm. So the Wizards, because they're, I would be so surprised if they did. Um, they have Bertons, who is whatever the heck Bertons is. He, they have yeah. Rui Hachimura, who is whatever the heck Rui is. If you pay Bertans what he's going to command on the market, which for him to be on the Wizards next year, they will. I My guess, my educated guess is he's like 12 to 15 million a year. Mm-hmm. 
he's got to be a very significant part of your rotation. And he's a good enough player to where he should be a significant part of but your rotation. But he's not a bad salary. Like 12 to 15 is not bad for a guy like him. That's that's fine. I mean, that's why mm-hmm. I'm estimating that's that's what he gets. I mean, I think if he gets less, then it's a it's an incredibly team-friendly deal and uh, or something crazy that I don't anticipate happening with the salary cap. And uh, if, if he gets mm-hmm. more, it, you know, he probably made it out well for himself or maybe it's a short-term deal or something like that to make mm-hmm. up for it. But my, my guess is the 12-15, you're giving $12 million a year, he's going to give you $12 million a year production as long as he stays healthy with the way that he just shoots the ball and gives defenses nervous breakdowns like like few other shooters who have ever lived. Um, and then you got Hachimura. Hachimura, who the, who the Wizards really, really, truly believe is a significant part of their future core and who is going to continue to get a lot of playing time. Those two guys are going to have to play together. It's not like one is going to get 24 minutes of power forward. The other is going to get 24 minutes of power forward. It's a lot more fluent than that. Those guys played 484 minutes together last year. And already in those guys' minutes together last year, and I look, two-man lineup data is not a good thing to go to to form an opinion on solely. When you look at you say, right. these two guys played together and here's what happened when they played together, you can't just take that out of context and say, well, here's what it is. The offense was good, but these two guys were on the floor and thus these two guys make you good at offense. You have to use actual evidence and see if that's backed up either in the greater numbers or just with the eye test and what you're saying. When you have Hachimura and Bertans out there, which you'll have to align, then... I don't know who guards the big wing in those scenario. And yeah. I don't even know how your team defense is going. Well, I do know how your team defense is going to be. It's really going to struggle, yep. especially when mm-hmm. two of the other five guys are Wall and Beal. When Bertans and Hachimura were on the floor together last year, 484 minutes together, which isn't a ton because Hachimura missed a good chunk of the season after Bonga kicked him between the legs and – the Wizards got away from it, too, because it's not a viable defensive combination. Andrew, what do you yeah. think the Wizards' defensive efficiency was with those two guys on the floor together? 106? 121. They, oh, boy. They allowed 121 points per 100 possessions when those two guys were on the floor together, which is, by the way, by far than the defensive efficiency of the worst defensive team of all time. So, yeah. so they defended, like, by far far the worst team ever by far <laughs> the best team ever to step on a basket uh, i am i am not saying that the wizards will be worse defensively but those two guys are than kelly is turning it is uh, turning off his alarm yeah like i'm not saying that. <laughs> kelly is worse at turning off his alarm for sure i am um, but okay now we did <laughs> but what i am saying is that handicaps your defense now, let's bring it yeah. back to Obi Now, even if he's at where he's at, like, if you draft a guy number nine, you're not drafting him just not to play. And we all yeah. we all think, I mean, that he's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not at all arguing they draft topping number nine. And we also all think that he, he will and should go before number nine. So if we think he's going to be a good player and his value is before number nine, then obviously I, I have no problem if the Wizards take him at number nine. Yeah. But I'm wondering, like, Michele, how does that work? They play zone defense? A lot of zone defense. Yeah. Top- oh, boy. No, I don't know. Uh, and again, I would, I would not, like, I don't know. Um, it's, it's a legitimate question to have in your mind like how they will play defense uh if they don't have any good defensive player and this is a real concern but you're not drafting at nine in this draft to solve your problems if you think you're doing that then i don't think you in general uh draft is not solving problems can topping be on the court with achimura uh bertans Wall and Beal? I think the answer is yes, because he can be your rim running center. You can put him like below the basket on defense and try to make him some sort of rim protector in a very, very, with a very, very bad duo that will probably give him a lot of trouble and a lot of work to do. But 
can he stay on the court? The answer is yes. Will you win with him on the court? No. If you draft a Kongwu, will you win a lot more? I don't know. He will probably be very good for you as well. I am torn between the two. I'm not saying that Toppin is the better player today. He is the better offensive player today, for sure. Um, can the Wizards maximize both players? Yes. Can they... Who is the best player in five years? I don't know. Toppin will be in his prime. Uh, Okong will be still very young. And, and, but, but I don't know today. And, and if you know that Toppin will be the better player in five years, you should draft Toppin anyway. Because mm -hmm. the contract of Wall will be up. You can trade Bradley Beal. You can trade Bertans even if you sign the contract this year because he's a shooter and everyone will want a shooter even if you even if you take 16 million as a starting point, uh, which is which I think is more likely to happen. Um, and so you don't know what your team will be in three years. If you think that Topping is better, I don't care. I don't care about the defensive rating in next year draft in next year uh, NBA because you are not playing. We're not drafting for the next two years if you are the Wizards. There is no way, unless something crazy happens, like John Wall is a superstar again and Bradley Bill improves, that you are a sure thing playoff play team in the East. I think that's a, yeah. good, I think that's a good point. And, and I think the, the other thing to talk about here, too, in relation to the Wizards, at least the Wizards in the immediate future, and, and you're, you're right, you don't just take a Kongu because he's going to solve your defensive problems and that's that's kind of what i was getting at with literally the first thing i asked you when we came on too which is how good is he going to be defensively right off the bat no rookie is going to save your your defense we talked about that with uh in relation to a last week maybe the the answer to the question by the way because i asked you what does that look like with Toppin on the wizards maybe the answer is it looks something like the 1980s Nuggets. Mm -hmm. Maybe the answer is that's where they, because we talked about, man, what's that look like defensively? A lot of zone defense. That's the pessimist view. The optimist's view is whew, if John Wall is just like, if John Wall is 90% of good John Wall, which is still a good player, it's not going to get you a super max on the open market, but if that's a good player. John Wall is 90% of John Wall. Bradley Beal continues to where Bradley Beal is 27 years old. He gets a little bit better each offseason. That just continues to happen. Or he's just as good as he was last year. Bertans does the same thing he does last year. Rui gets a little bit better, which they expect. And now you add top into the mix, and he's what we expect offensively. Like, that is a lot of offense. Yeah. That team is going to – that's a top 10 offense, Yeah, I think. I think. I Maybe better. That's a, that's a – that's a top in offense. <laughs> Maybe better. So I think, uh, you know, that's that's the other side of it, too, where that that team could just kill teams yep. offensively. Yeah. Uh, last question I have about these two guys. Do you prefer a guy that has a pretty pretty solid neck like a Kong Wu or a guy that has no neck like Obi Toppin? <laughs> Where are we at? With long necks next? are useless. This is the only take that matters. That's you know what? Okay. That's true. Height height is useless because head does nothing. Like like your your neck is nothing. Your forehead does nothing to contest the shot. It's useless. You should NBA players should be measured up to their shoulders. Yeah. I'll be topping when the good Lord made him. He just stuck his head just <laughs> right on his shoulders. <laughs> It's it's true. A normal size neck would be better, but between long neck and no neck, no neck is the is the deal. Less opportunity for neck okay. problems. Yeah. You know? No true. one has like he's really six. No one has like back. Of he's the like head six eleven. Yeah. We, yeah. He's basically yeah, six eleven. Regular neck. You yes. could say that about. Yeah. That's time. true. I would take the short neck because it means if he's the same height, he has taller shoulders. Yeah. You could, we can call Obi Toppin, he's a seven-footer. Let's just say it. He's a seven-footer. You're such a hater. 
All right. I am definitely uh, a hater. This, this is the perfect opportunity to wrap up. Um, if you just listen to this out of nowhere, you're not a subscriber to Wizards After Dark, you can subscribe um, to the podcast wherever you regularly listen to podcasts. If you want to help out, you can head to uh, you know iTunes and leave a five-star review. You can write a review if you're feeling really good about it and you want to you help out the pod too. That that is uh, that's that's bigger for us than you might realize. I will be back with another episode next week. Oh, you can also, if you want to read my stuff over on The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark and you can sign up there for a discounted rate. I'll be back with a new episode next week. I imagine I'll force these guys back for another draft, draft pod at some point. Uh, but I'll be back with a new one next week. I'll talk to you guys then.